Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Christ is born. Glorify him. I noticed for the first time this year, reading the gospel passage, that taxes were mentioned four times in the first handful of verses. Four times. That's the opening of the entire setting for the Christmas story. Taxes. The government, which was in Rome, not even in Israel, had uh, forced everyone to go back to their hometowns in order to be registered for census purposes so everybody could be taxed. You know, the, the Christmas story is only as powerful as it is because of the world that it happens in. God coming into a perfect world would be, well, God in his heavens, you know? But God didn't enter into his heavens. He entered into, from the heaven, this earth. This earth full of failed government programs and military occupations, poverty, helplessness, homelessness, jealousy, oppression, violence, deceit. All of these things are in the Christmas story, uh, in the, the immediate aftermath of the birth of God into the world. This world is broken. I think we all know that. <clears throat> I think we can look to institutions, maybe even people, and say, yeah, pretty broken. But Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who was a, uh, an Orthodox writer who spent a lot of time in a Soviet gulag, so he knows what brokenness and evil looks like, rightly pointed out that the line separating good and evil passes not through states or between classes or between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. That line separates good and evil in all of our hearts, but not just good and evil as in righteousness and uh, ill intentions, but also just sickness versus uh, well-being, truth and right versus falsehood and error, God-orientedness versus self-orientedness, basically the way things should be versus the many ways that they shouldn't be. And at our more conscious level, with all of these things down in our hearts warring against each other, that produces in our minds many hopes and fears. The hopes and the fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. From the carol, O little town of Bethlehem. That line uh, points out that the power of Christmas isn't all about light. Even though we hear of light in our propers tonight, the point is that it's light shining in what's mostly darkness. But the light does enter into that darkness. The light enters into all of our hearts on Christmas, all those places where the deep, dark, ugly things are that we try to keep pressed down because we don't want them to rise to the light of day and have to deal with the cold, harsh truth and the reality of the way things ought to be. So given our brokenness as humans, the story of Christmas is about God coming into the world to heal our humanity. He, Christ, is the triumph over the triumph of health over sickness and right over wrong, the perfection of humanity over its long millennia of brokenness. In his humanity, 
Everything is put back on the right side of that line that passes through the human heart. Here is the new man. But he does more than just heal our humanity. He actually makes us divine. From the letter that our um, Metropolitan Saba sent out for the Feast of Nativity this year, he said, Christian theology has succinctly summarized the theology of the incarnation since the second century with this phrase, God became man so that man might become God. There are numerous church fathers throughout the very earliest centuries of the church that in their writings say this in one form or another, God became man so that man might become God. The implications for that are I think beyond what we would imagine. Sometimes we try to soften it. Well, we're not going to become God. Obviously, we're creatures. But there's no softening of the reality. God intends us to become his nature. He intends us to be joined so closely with him that we actually are God along with him. He calls us gods. That's that's the calling that humanity has. And it's scandalous. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's beyond what we can imagine. And so we don't always think through the ramifications of what that means. Uh, and fair enough, we don't know the ramifications of what that means. We aren't there yet, but we have a human being who is there and he has opened up that way. Why did Nicene Orthodoxy, the Orthodoxy that we espouse in our creed that we will sing tonight, why did the church, the believed what is in our creed, win out over, say, Arius and, and his company and the various other things that were Arianism adjacent, where they didn't think that Jesus Christ was actually fully God, but rather the highest of all created beings? Was it because the scriptures are super clear about this? The scriptures actually can be a little confusing about this at times. I mean, look at some of our propers tonight. We have the Psalm, uh, Psalm 2 in our intro in our Alleluia saying, God this day has begotten the Son. Almost as if you could read that as that happening within time or at the, the first thing that happens after creation. But the church said, no, that's not the case. The case is actually that the Son has begotten, been begotten of the Father before all creation, before time was a thing from the eternity and full divinity of the Father, the Son is begotten. And so he is perfect God as well. And why do we believe that? Why is that the case? Because the logic that no creature could join our humanity to God's divinity, no matter how exalted, that logic won out. It made more sense than Arian's, uh, the Arianist position. No creature can join us to God. It had to be God becoming one of us in order to join us to God. Deification. In the Orthodox Church, this is what salvation means to us. It's not just not going to hell and going to heaven instead. That's, that's not the point. I mean, yes, we use that language, but the point is that we are with God and in God and becoming God. Never on our own, we're not, uh, that's, that's it's, it's the Mormon idea that, you know, you become uh, a God in your own right, separate and apart from the God that might have created this world. That's a very weird, bizarre, foreign idea and not orthodox at all. 
when we become God, it's in God, the one God that we become partakers of his divine nature. So that's what we're celebrating here on Christmas is the enfleshment of God so that that purpose can be accomplished. It's our rescuing. It's our salvation. It's not just making, you know, things a little better here on earth. It's infusing our life here on earth with the divine life so that we begin that journey of becoming God here and now. It changes the whole aspect of, of what we do when we wake up and go to work or when we visit family or when we come to church. Why are we coming to church? Because we are called to become God. But we have so many hopes and fears still on this Christmas night. All these hopes and fears, though, are met in the Christ child. He is the cold light of day, the truth come to dismantle our dubious little power structures in our hearts, to shine in the darkness and reveal the ugliness that has gathered in the sumps of our inmost being. But thankfully, he has come to us as a baby, swaddled and bound, lying down, if ever there's a time to approach him, it's now. As one meek and approachable, as a little bitty baby, we have access to him and his perfected humanity. And through that, to the inner life of God himself. When we sing in our hymns and carols, O come ye to Bethlehem, O come all ye faithful, O come let us adore him, we can't help but come with our hopes and our fears with everything inside us, regardless of what side of the line it falls on. And we don't have to have it all sorted out. We don't have to have it fixed in order to come. We merely need an opening in our heart for him, even if it's just the size of a pinprick because he's willing to get that small. He can fit. That's what Christmas is about. It's God inviting us into the eternal opening of his glory, but doing it by coming almost infinitely small so that he can be where we need him to be in our lives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.